This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. And later this hour, Massachusetts Congressman Jim McGovern will join us from Washington. We'll talk about efforts to pass a spending package on Capitol Hill. But first... The names of around two dozen alleged clients of a high-end sex ring here in Massachusetts remain anonymous. That's more than two months after authorities uh, arrested the ring's operations in Watertown and Cambridge. And now, a delay in court proceedings is casting doubt on when and even if we may ever find out who the alleged buyers are. WBUR senior correspondent Deborah Becker has been following the story. Going to run it down, all of it now for us. Deb, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So I really do want to start at the top, Deb. What do we know about this sex ring? You know, how it operated, who the clientele was. Give us the basics. Uh, So uh, federal authorities have charged three people with being the operators of this ring. They're accused of coercing women, primarily Asian women, to provide sex in high-end apartments in Massachusetts and Virginia. And according to the federal charging documents, the women were advertised online, buyers were verified online, providing their names, their email addresses, their phone numbers, and then services would be arranged via text message. Uh, Authorities have said that this prostitution network catered to a wealthy clientele, elected officials, executives, physicians, government contractors with security clearances, and military officers. They say these were among the hundreds of people who allegedly paid for sex at the luxury apartments leased by the operators. So I want to be really specific for listeners all the way through this. First, you've got three people charged with essentially operating this ring and their identities have been revealed. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, and where uh, has this was this operating? My understanding is in Massachusetts and in Virginia. Right. Apartments in Watertown and North Cambridge and two other sites in eastern Virginia. Okay. Then we have the alleged buyers. Tell us what's going on there. So when the federal officials charged the three alleged operators, they referred to Cambridge police the names of 28 people suspected of being the buyers, among the buyers. So Cambridge police filed applications for criminal complaints. So they haven't been charged or arrested, but they're suspected. And so hearings were scheduled with a clerk magistrate in Cambridge with these 28 people. And I spoke with a a former state prosecutor, Beth Keeley, uh, who worked in the AG's uh, trafficking division. And she said, it's likely that the evidence against these 28 people is significant. Let's listen. My guess is that, you know, to the extent that the feds have coordinated with state level law enforcement to think about not just federal charges, but what would be applicable to buyers uh, on the state level charges, that there is substantial evidence against the people that they're for bringing in for the for the clerk's hearings. And these hearings will determine if any of these 28 people will face state criminal charges of buying sex. And we should say these are not charges that typically carry really serious penalties. Okay, so that kind of brings us up to the moment. And now I want to take us to the moment because there was a sort of a hash mark in this story yesterday. And I want to note that WBUR is an interested party at this moment. We're going to lay all that out now. I just want to flag us. So yesterday, the hearings were scheduled uh, in Cambridge District Court. They're typically held behind closed doors. And these are these hearings to decide whether it's okay to charge people. Is that fair? Right. They're called show cause hearings or sometimes referred to as probable cause hearings to see if there will be criminal charges filed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually they are held 
I'm ahead, just going to correct myself. Sorry, the hearings were supposed to happen yesterday. The delay happened on Wednesday. Sorry, go ahead, Deb. Correct. Yeah, correct. go ahead. Um, so these hearings uh, are typically held behind closed doors. Um, but in this case, media outlets, including WBUR, appealed. Uh, and the clerk magistrate said, okay, the hearings will be open to the public. And then if criminal charges are filed, the names of those charged would be released. And the reason for the appeal? So uh, WBUR appealed, arguing that the transparency of this process is important, especially when dealing with apparently well-connected buyers. Uh, we argued that shedding light on this process will help ensure that there are no disparities, uh, no favoritism of, of prominent people. Um, and so we also asked for the documents supporting the applications for criminal complaint. Why were these people called in? Why were these people identified? We asked for the documentation as well. And I want to be clear, again, because we're an interested party and we're talking about this, WBUR's Deb Becker, as we talk about the sex ring and uh, the preceding criminal proceedings, really, uh, that does not necessarily mean the WBUR would have reported on the content of those court documents, but we were seeking them in the course of our reporting. Is that correct, Deb? That, that's correct. That's correct. So after the clerk magistrate said the hearings would be open because of the public interest in this case, because of the um, allegedly well-connected clientele, uh, WBUR asked for these documents and the clerk magistrate, Cambridge District Court judge, rejected that. So we appealed to the state Supreme Judicial Court and a single SJC justice, Justice Gaziano, ruled on Wednesday, the day before the hearings were scheduled, that the hearings would be put on hold while he considered the issues involved. And several people filed motions in this case, including about a half dozen defense attorneys who say they're representing 13 of the accused in this case. And, and an interesting thing that they said in their motion, they disputed that these are prominent people, saying one's an attorney, one's a doctor at a public hospital, and one's a scientist with no ties to the government. And they're basically arguing against the release of the documents supporting bringing these people in for these hearings. Okay, so that's WBUR senior correspondent Deb Becker. So Deb, thank you. Stand by. We'll come back to you in a little bit. What we want to do now is turn our attention um, to Marsha Kazaroshan. She is a former president of the Massachusetts Bar Association. Marsha, welcome to Radio Boston. Thank you for having me. So, Marcia, we wanted to invite you here because you particularly, as I understand it, have concerns about privacy in the case uh, and understand the pushback to this push to make these hearings public or bring court documents forward. Is that correct? Right. So lay that out for our listeners, Marcia. Sure. Um, so there's two parts to this. One is, should the hearings be public? And the uh, clerk magistrate has already said, yes, they'll be public. But then the second part of it is the application for criminal uh, complaint to issue. So bear in mind, these people are just accused. It's just an accusation out there. They haven't been arrested because you can have clerk's hearings even after an arrest, but there's been no arrest. And these criminal applications for criminal complaint issue, they don't have to be signed under oath. Anyone can, you know, put all kinds of things in there that may not be relevant. They may be very prejudicial while not being relevant. They may never come to light in a hearing. They may not be appropriate. Uh, they may be incorrect information, but they're all going to place these individuals in a very humiliating 
uh, situation where if it's public and then these people are, I don't want to say exonerated, if the clerk decides that no criminal complaint should issue, that information is out there. There's no taking it back, especially in today's day. But if this person, we'll go one person at a time, we'll say, if this person does have a criminal complaint issue against them, then all of this information will become public. And no one is prejudiced by it other than a short period of time where while the clerk is deciding, should this criminal complaint issue, should it not, the public isn't going to see the actual application. So, Marsha, I'm going to ask you a couple of clarifying questions here, and let's do this a little bit rapid fire, if that's okay sure. with you. So. Um, what's in the court documents might not necessarily all be revealed in the public hearing, is the, which is the first stage, yes? Potentially. I mean, the, at the public hearing, they may not, you know, present the application, but they may, I don't, there's many different ways so, you could have the hearing. So let me tell you why I'm confused about this. So if, mm-hmm. I, if I'm, you know, as a non-lawyer, uh, if the concern is that the court documents, and I don't want to go too far into the weeds here, but if the court mm-hmm. documents aren't okay to reveal, but the hearing is okay to happen in public, then you got to assume that there's a difference between what's in the documents and what might come out in the hearing. Well, okay, they may very well be, but what the clerk did when she issued the order that the uh, documents would not be public but that the hearing would be public. She said there will be a process available, you know, circulated to everyone as to how these hearings are going to happen. So many things could happen in that hearing. It could be that you're going to have testimony, but that the applications aren't going to be introduced into evidence, we'll say. Or you could have the applications in and testimony. Or you could have the names of the people that, that uh, not named specifically, but have the information. Okay. So that's up to the clerk. So then my second question, and I'm realizing as I ask it, this one's actually not rapid fire. It might take you a bit to answer (laughs) this. And we're speaking with Marsha Kazaroshan, who's a former president of the Massachusetts Bar Association, as we look at these privacy issues around people who have been accused of being buyers in the sex ring that was revealed a couple of months ago operating here in the area. So here's my other question. You've got a jumble of people right, uh, who may have been buyers. Uh, the argument for making the hearings public is that they were uh, well-connected, influential people. Part of the pushback is uh, these are average people who don't deserve to have their lives turned upside down. Could that not then permanently always provide cover for important people if they can always have cover from what's called a John Doe? Okay, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the way you pose that because I don't think that the clerk made the decision just because these were public, allegedly high public figures, high profile public figures. What she made the decision was, according to the way the standards are when you're, when you're dealing with making these decisions is, is this something that is a special public interest for any number of reasons? It was blasted all over the press. And that was one of the things that I think as part of BUR's, uh, and the Globe, I guess, uh, petition to ask that the hearings be public. And NBC said, 10 at, Boston. Yep. And, right. And th- this is very important to the public. We've been, everyone's been reporting about this. The public knows some, but not all. They should have more information because this is now of a special public interest for a number of reasons. Not because the people may be high profile, but you also have very horrible things going on here. This is trafficking. This is horrific. It's, it's something that the public should know about. So the clerk, and I think rightly so, said, all right, these hearings should be public. 
That's getting past stage one. Stage two, whether or not these applications come in, I, again, do not believe it has anything to do whether or not these people are high-profile figures or not. Because if, the, if they're found to have a criminal complaint issue against them, it's coming out no matter what. I, what the analysis is going to be is weighing each person's privacy rights, whether they're a public official or not, against the right of the public to know what's going on and to see these documents. So how is the public prejudiced? By waiting a little bit until a judge can actually determine, I'm sorry, a clerk can actually make a determination that this is not just a suspicion, that there's probable cause. That's not asking too much to wait because the, the, this is going to hurt the 24 or 28 people or however many of them who may not ever have a complaint issue against them, but they're lumped into this horrific yeah. tub and they can't get past it. It's, it's humiliating. It's, it's atrocious. So, Marsha, I'm just going to flag you. Use the word trafficking. It's not clear that there have been any explicitly trafficking-related charges uh, at this point, so I'm mm -hmm. just going to flag that. And, and okay. in a sentence, just a sentence, what, will, what should we be watching for next from your perspective? A sentence. You know I'm a lawyer. That takes I do. More, but no. I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we need to look carefully at the decision that Judge Gaziano is going to write as to the reasoning why either the, the applications are become public or they don't. I think that's the most important thing going forward. Marsha Kazaroshian is a partner at Kazaroshian Costello LLP and former president of the Massachusetts Bar Association. This was very helpful. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much. Returning now to WBUR senior correspondent Deb Becker. Deb, um, uh, uh, your reactions to what we heard from Marza Kazaroshan and new questions that might emerge for reporting based on what we heard. Hmm. Well, well, I, th I think she made some interesting points. Uh, I will say that WBUR and the other media outlets that joined us in bringing this forward have said, you know, the attorneys will have the supporting documents for these hearings. The clerk magistrate will have them. The Cambridge police have them. Uh, likely federal prosecutors, because of this case, are involved. So if those documents are already available, we should have access to them as well. These will help ensure accuracy and also ensure that the process is fairly carried out, even if prominent people are accused. And we also, as you pointed out, but I'd like to just highlight that, we've said that even if we get these documents, it does not mean that information would be automatically published. We would carefully consider each case before deciding what is public information and if the criminal charges are filed. So, Deb, in our remaining time, and again, we, you know, we've worked, and you've been thoughtful here, we brought in an opposing voice because we're aware that WBUR is actually sort of playing a role in this story. So I want to mark that. But now I want to step back in our remaining minute. I want to ask you, in your reporting, what are you hearing from advocates for people who have been um, exploited in the sex trade? Well, the advocates, as you can imagine, uh, really want these names released and they want transparency in the process. And they are very loud about that. And they say that if these names are released and the proceedings are as public as possible, uh, it will help deter the exploitation of women, which they say is, is a real problem uh, throughout the state and throughout the country. And will you be watching for the same thing that Marsha Kazaroshan said to be watching for, which is what the judge decides next week? Is that the next big hash mark? 
That's the next hash mark. Monday is the deadline for folks to file further motions in this case with Justice Gaziano, and we expect he'll issue a ruling shortly thereafter. But no specific date, as I understand it, yet. I mean, Monday's date for submissions, but no date on the calendar yet for explicitly when we can expect that ruling. No, no date yet. So we, we don't know at this point. Okay, WBUR senior correspondent Deborah Becker, I know you're going to continue to report it. We'll continue to follow it with you. Thanks for taking the time with us today. You're welcome.